The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to Inside the Forest. I'm Cameron Lemons-Debro. Uh, glad everyone really, really liked the last episode. Uh, today, we're going to be focusing on realignment uh, a little bit more. I think that might be the uh, the hot topic of the next month or so. <laughs> And uh, joining me today, uh, thankfully, is Josh Newman. Uh, Josh, um, if you don't know him, which maybe from the Lake Forest Race, you might not. Uh, he is the University of Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake uh, Tribune. Um, so, Josh, welcome. Appreciate you having me, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to kind of start out not with a heavy question, but, well, I guess first off, like how long have you been covering uh, Utah slash the Pac-12? Let's start there. Yeah, so I came out to Utah in uh, December of 2019, Actually, the week of the Pac-12 championship game that year, um, I didn't I, I, I didn't cover that 2019 team. The first team I covered was the 2020 COVID team, which made for a very weird <laughs> first season to be covering. But, yeah, you know, uh, this is my third season coming up. Uh, I'm a native New Yorker, uh, a native Northeasterner, covered Rutgers, covered Monmouth, covered Seton Hall. And now we're out here in the mountain time zone covering covering Utah in the Pac-12. It's been uh, it's been quite a ride so far. Uh, how are you feeling about? the Knicks trying to maybe get Donovan Mitchell sooner rather than. Later. Oh my <laughs> Lord. You know, look, born and bred Knicks fan, you know, the Knicks were my first love, right. Sports wise. Right. I don't think the Knicks should be giving up, you know, the entire farm to get Donovan Mitchell. I don't think they should be giving up RJ Barrett and all the draft picks. I would be in favor of kind of kind of staying the course here a little bit. I, I think they have some good quality young pieces. I think they have a lot of draft capital. I like the position that the Knicks are in. I would rather not go all in for Donovan Mitchell. That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, I mean, kicking it back to football, I mean, the Pac-12, you guys have been in kind of, I don't want to use the word peril. I mean, everyone, we don't really know what's going to happen right now. Um, I think everyone's just in a bit of a holding period and kind of fearful of what's coming next. Uh, how are How is the stress index in Utah right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would – you know, that's well said. I, I think we're in a holding pattern. We're in a bit of a lull. And that notion is kind of two-pronged, right? On on one hand, everybody, not just the Pac-12, but everybody across the country is kind of waiting to see what Notre Dame does. Right. Because if Notre Dame decides that they want to give up independence and join a conference, whether it be the Big Ten or the ACC, that's a giant domino. Right. Okay, If Notre Dame joins a conference, you're going to see more dominoes falling. So that's one thing. And then you're also in a lull because the PAC 12 is in the middle of its 30 day exclusive window to negotiate its next TV contract. Um, you know, whether that be, you know, with Fox or ESPN, everybody in the PAC 12 is waiting to see what that 30 day window yields, because then you'll have a better idea of what the league's value is. And once you have an idea of what the league's value is, then I think you're going to see, you know, teams either, you know, recommit to trying to stick with the Pac-12 and, and save it, or you might see teams try, and I say try, try to splinter off, whether that be, you know, however remote the possibility of Oregon and Washington getting into the Big Ten, or you've got uh, Utah, Colorado, and the two Arizona schools maybe to the Big 12. 
we'll see. There's a lot of variables, you know, there's a lot of hypotheticals, but yeah, we are absolutely, you know, as we sit here on July 12th, we are absolutely in a lull in terms of realignment chaos. So I want to start with the first thing you said about the uh, holding period. I know that's kind of a weird thing because people nowadays are trying to finally figure out what everyone's talking about. So with that 30 day holding period, is that a place where people can leave if they want to, or is it just kind of an an insinuate, like insinuated, Hey, just stay here for a second and let's talk this out for a second. (laughs) Well, I guess technically anybody is free to try to leave if they want, but look, if the, if the Big Ten wanted Oregon and Washington, those teams would already be in the Big Ten. Okay, right. the Big Ten doesn't want those two schools right now. You know, we saw, you know, reports about, you know, the Big 12 being in, quote, deep discussions with <laughs> Utah, Colorado, and the two Arizonas. I reported last week, citing a high-level Utah source, that that, that is not the case. Okay, the Pac-12 teams are not engaging with the Big 12. So where we are now is the 10 remaining PAC 12 members have essentially committed to sticking together and trying to figure this thing out, trying to save the conference. And when I say save the conference, that means either moving forward, just the 10 of you or taking the 10 and trying to poach a couple of mountain West schools. Maybe, you know, maybe the PAC 12 becomes the aggressor and tries to poach somebody from the big 12. The bottom line is where we sit right now, the PAC 12 teams, the remaining 10 PAC 12 teams, have committed to trying to see this thing through, trying to stick together. And that kind of goes back to the 30-day window for the TV rights. Nobody is doing anything until you see what the value of the conference is. So that's the kind of the perspective from the administration side. From the fan side, you know, what do the what do Utah fans right. like, what have you heard? What have you seen from like yeah. what what do they want to come out of this besides, you know, still being a power five school? Right. Yeah. I think um the fans are kind of all over the place, which fan bases tend to be. There, of course, there's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different wants and desires from the fans. But I think the one overarching point is there is absolutely a sense of not dread, but nervousness right. among the fans. Now, you have to remember, the University of Utah was a founding member of the WAC, right. okay, right back in 1962. The, you know, the University of Utah is also a founding member of the mountain West back in the late nineties. And, you know, they got to the PAC 12 in 2011 during the last really crazy, you know, the realignment stuff. And the football program specifically has gotten to a point where you're contending for the PAC 12 title every year, right? You're just coming off your first PAC 12 title. You just got to a Rose bowl. Uh, This team in 2022, they're going to start the season ranked in the top eight, 10, 12, College football playoff is, is a possibility if things break right. So the point I'm making is the fans are nervous because the, the, the program has gotten to the point where you are a power five contender. You don't want to go backwards right. and wind up as, you know, you don't want to end up in a watered down Pac-12. You know, you don't want to end up in the Mountain West plus, so to speak. Right. You've gotten yourself to the point where you're very, very good. You're a dangerous power five contender. You don't want to be going backwards. I think that's the big fear of this fan base right now. Um, and just for the reference for people listening to this, that's not just the opinion of a Utah beat writer. I have a bet on Utah to <laughs> Pac-12 this year. I have been on the record saying if Utah wins their first game against Florida, I think they go undefeated this year. So you know, Utah, Utah's been a, Utah's a good, good program. I love, I love watching Cam Rising. I think it's been a very fun team to watch. 
Yeah. Um, but with the Pac-12 in general, you know, with Utah and the Pac-12, you know, what's their perception of the Big 12 and the ACC? You know, we've had the rumors of the Big 12. I'm going to talk about the Big 12 potentially trying to grab the four corners. We've heard Oregon and Washington potentially jump into the ACC or the, the Alliance Part 2, whatever you want to make of that. What's the Pac-12 fans or administrators' perspective of kind of the other two not big two conferences? No, I, I, I can't speak for every administration, but, it, you know, from the, from the Utah side of things, I think there is some intrigue in terms of what the Big 12 could offer, what the Big 12 could be for them. Uh, this is a very um, this is a very buttoned up administration. They don't take a lot of risks. They're not careless. They're very very careful to do the right thing. You know, do the right thing by their student athletes. Do the right thing by the fans. Do the right thing by everybody. So, yes, I do think that there is some intrigue in terms of what the Big Twelve could offer them. Uh, they wouldn't go by themselves. I mean, if if it got to this point they would go with Colorado and the two Arizona schools. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Um, what you have to remember here, and it's been made clear to me, is that the Big 12 thing, as it pertains to the Big 12, maybe poaching Pac-12 schools, we haven't gotten to that point just yet. Um, again, we're going to see where this 30-day window goes. We haven't gotten to this Big 12 thing yet. I think there is also a sense, and this is not just a Utah thing, this is you know kind of across the Pac-12 landscape, is that whatever happens with this round of realignment, there is going to be something else two years, three years, four years down the road. So whatever happens here, there's going to be something else later. So like, and I'm completely making this up, if the Pac-12 schools or some Pac-12 schools do wind up in the Big 12 within a year or two years, the next TV contract after this one, maybe that's the big move where the Utahs or the Colorados or somebody in the Pac-12 ultimately winds up in the Big Ten. And yes, we ultimately have the Big Ten and the SEC as a true power two, and everybody else is is just picking up scraps, essentially. Do you think there's a realm where a power three is kind of it, or do you think it kind of funnels into two? Yeah, I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's shaping up now where the Big Ten and the SEC are going to get the best TV money, the most TV money. But I do think there is this avenue where, again, this is a total hypothetical, but yeah, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 sort of merge. Uh, you know, you're looking at 16 teams, 18 teams there. You're not the Big Ten. You're not the SEC, but you have a very nice collection of teams with big media markets and you're, and you're making a lot of media rights revenue. Now to that, I, I should say, and people kind of forgot this in the craziness of, of the last two weeks, last year, around this time when George Klyavkov, the new commissioner of the PAC 12 came in, the big 12 was flailing. Okay. They lost Texas. They lost Oklahoma. They were at eight and the future of that league was very much in doubt. Right. And a PAC 12 big 12 merger was on the table. That would have been, you know, 20 teams. You probably, I don't want to say probably, you might not keep UCLA and USC anyway, but even if you had lost them, you're still looking pretty good at 16 right. teams or 18 teams. But George Klyavkov came in, wanted to stabilize college football. He enters this, quote, alliance with the Big Ten and the ACC. As time has gone on here, I mean, I kind of hammered George Klyavkov last week in writing for that. But as I like thought about it some more, I don't 
hate the move a year ago in, in hindsight to try to stabilize that, to try to stabilize the sport. But here we are. I mean, you could have merged. You didn't merge. You tried for stability. It didn't work out. And now the Pac-12 is in trouble. So it's, it, it's, it's been a very fascinating situation for the last uh, 12 and a half months since George Klyovkov came aboard. Speaking of Klyovkov, I mean, I feel like the ACC and the Pac-12, at least their commissioners, are kind of in the same boat right now where they've walked into scenarios that I don't want to call them unwinnable because like with, like with the Pac-12, UCLA and USC were probably going to leave regardless. And the same thing for the ACC. Everyone's like, well, it's only a matter of time before Clemson or UNC, et cetera, leaves. What's kind of the pulse around Kriakov and how he's kind of handled this entire last few months, I'd say. You know, he, he, he comes in a year ago and he's, you know, he takes over for Larry Scott and, you know, Larry Scott was a train wreck for the last half of his tenure. You know, Kriakov comes in here, savvy guy visiting all the campuses, you know, saying all the right things. He's a very, very smart guy. Doesn't have the experience um, as a college administrator. You know, his background is in media and TV and, you know, all the Vegas ties, but very smart guy. And then kind of in a blink, he loses his two biggest brands in UCLA and USC. He apparently had no idea about it. And, you know, his approval rating, so to speak, kind of like plummeted overnight. But now, you know, you had this, you know, this Valley and now he's coming back up. And, you know, I talked to people around the league and he's really trying very hard to salvage this thing. Obviously, again, his, his background and his connections in media and TV are, are critical as the league tries to negotiate its next TV deal. So I, you know, I, I, I come out of the Valley and back up to this kind of peak where I, I do believe that he is a very smart guy and he is doing everything he can to, to try to uh, save the league. Now, look, ultimately, everything he's trying to, to do now could be done in vain, but he, he is doing his best to, um, to try to stabilize things. The fascinating part is that George Klyavkov came in, has no college experience. Now, Brett Yormark, the new commissioner of the Big right. 12, he has no college athletics experience either. He ran, he ran the Barclays Center for a number of years in New York. He was working for Rock Nation. Interesting times in college athletics. You have two, you know, two of the Power Five commissioners just have no experience in college athletics. That's a, just a just a super intriguing, you know, factor of this whole thing to me. I mean, with people that have not the same experience in college athletics, there's always new and bright ideas. When yes. the, the Pac-12, ACC not alliance, but loose partnership was kind of floated around by John Wilner and by John Canzano. What were your thoughts on that? Let's start with what were your original thoughts on when that idea was, has been floating around? You know, my very first thought was like, look, we saw how the last loose partnership (laughs) slash alliance worked out, right? You had the big 10, like hammering the other two members of the alliance. But, you know, once you got past, once you got past that joking around, my initial knee jerk reaction was like, travel would be insane for the non-football sports like can you just picture like the utah basketball team taking a midweek flight to like syracuse new york in the middle of january playing a game flying home you're talking about missing you know two or three you know two or three days worth of you know worth of classroom stuff right and yeah utah student athletes do go to class it's not all online stuff so that was my first thought like the you know the student athlete welfare of those two conferences, non-football players would 
would probably get worse. Like student athlete welfare, as we know, is not great to begin with in terms of travel and logistics, but it would get a lot worse. And beyond that, I mean, they're, you know, and Wilner and Canzano and some of the other national guys were like careful to point out that it's more of a theory, this loose partnership, like they've talked, there are just a lot of moving parts, a lot of logistics, you know, the grant of rights thing with the ACC that, you know, that comes Uh, into play. It's that whole thing. And again, hindsight's 2020, but now we're like a week into this or, or two weeks into this thing. And I'm still like thinking and rethinking that partnership seems very far-fetched for a number of reasons. I get it. I understand you're trying to work in lockstep. You need somebody on your side. It just seems very, very far off to me. That's very fair. Um, Speaking of someone proximity-wise, I guess for Utah, how important, I guess, is it for playing BYU? The Holy War kind of comes to mind. Is that sort of something that Utah administrations and Utah fans really want to do? Is that something that pushed them one way or the other? Does that have any factor in any of this? There is absolutely a, 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 sorry, a faction of Utah fans that believe we should never play Utah. Oh, uh, so it's Texas, Texas Tech. <laughs> it's, 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 it's something like we should never play BYU. And then there's another faction of fans who, who, who want to play BYU. Like Utah BYU is the most underrated college rivalry in the country. There is a, you know, it goes back to the early 1900s. There is a huge cultural factor involved because of the Mormon culture, the LDS church, you know, the church, the whole thing. It all goes into the rivalry. So I think that if, if Utah and BYU wound up in the Big 12, I think that is a huge coup for the Big 12 because as you, as you chart this new path forward, with new teams and new markets and you're trying to get to know one another, you automatically, if you're the big 12, you automatically have one of the best rivalries in all of college football from day one. I think that would, I think that would be huge for the big 12. Look, Mark Harlan, the athletic director at Utah and Tom Homo, the AD at BYU, they're friendly. They have a good working relationship. The two schools are, are pretty committed to playing each other as non-conference opponents um, you know, they're taking 22 and 23 off because Utah wanted to play Florida and I don't have it in front of me. I think they're playing every year between 24 and 28. Okay. And then they play again in 2030. So these teams are going to play each other anyway. It would, it would just simply have more juice to it. If you're potentially playing, I don't know, for a big 12 regular season title, right. God forbid, God forbid these two teams met in the Big 12 championship game. I think this, I think this state would shut down for a week. It, it, it would be awesome, I think. Oh, that's an interesting tip. Because, I mean, there's obviously with a lot of the realignment, schedule changing, thunder behind me, uh, rivalries are kind of like felt like they're going downhill. So it's always been a thing of is it worth leaving the Pac-12 if you can get this back, if you can get this really this juicy, juicy rivalry going? And I'm, I never know how much that plays into the – administrations because everyone wants to have rivalries but like at the end of the day does that make you the the best financial sense (laughs) i mean i don't think like the administrations on either side are like really worried about this topic but again you're already committed to playing each other like these two athletic directors are already like you're on the books for like six more games through the end of the decade like what's the difference if it's non-conference or or conference if it's conference it's just a bigger spotlight it's better for it's better for you it's better for utah it's better for byu like i said it's great for the league I, I would have no problem with it. So from the TV aspect, 
what's been the Pac-12's experience with the Pac-12 network? I mean, I, I'm kind of very far removed from, yeah. being, is, it, is it hard to get? Is it, was it sort of, has it been well-managed? Like what's been the sense of how that's been? I mean, I, I, I don't mean this as a joke, like kind of all of the above. Um, <laughs> you know, it's been, it's been managed poorly. They've been fighting with DirecTV for years. Um, you know, the running joke is like, if there's like an eight o'clock game, on Pac-12 network, like 70% of the country is not going to see it. I, I swear, unless you have Dish Network, if you are west of the Rocky Mountains, uh, excuse me, east of the Rocky Mountains, you have no access to Pac-12 network. Um, just a mess. You know, George Klyabkov's predecessor, Larry Scott, kind of, you know, the Pac-12 network was kind of his baby, so to speak. And, you know, ESPN tried to, tried to take some control of it. Larry Scott didn't want to do that. The whole thing has been poorly poorly mismanaged and that's part of the reason why you know they've been locked into this bad tv contract um i think a lot of us who 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 cover the league from a media standpoint or at least people who are invested in the pac-12 i think everybody's really hoping that either the pac-12 network goes away entirely or at a minimum stop putting football on pac-12 (laughs) network you're you're putting your i'm serious you're putting your highest profile money sport on a channel that nobody can watch. I mean, I came out here from New York. I moved here. The only reason I got cable, you're right. I started streaming everything back right. east. The only reason I got cable, I got Xfinity, was because I wanted access to the Pac-12 network, and I just the access was just terrible. And I, you know, I got I got blacked out a few times and just got frustrated with the whole thing. So, yeah, the Pac-12 network either shape up or ship out so to speak well i mean that kind of that 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 brought up my idea from well the loose partnership because there was rumor what the acc network would be used to yeah broadcast that i was like is the pac-12 network good not good because we don't we have no idea how hard it is to get that i mean you know i mean look again obviously i cover utah i live in salt lake city utah i have hulu that's my main like streaming thing I, I have the ACC network on Hulu <laughs> out here. I don't have access to the Pac-12 network at all. What I need on the rare occasion that I really, really need to get the Pac-12 network, I have my in-laws Xfinity login from there up in Seattle. And I just <laughs> log into that. I mean, it's comical at this point that I can get the ACC network easily and I have no access to the Pac-12 network. So going into the TV negotiations, I guess, does the, I, I, know, I guess the Pac-12 does have, feel like they have a chance to say, hey, ESPN, CBS, Fox, whomever, give us the best deal. What does that deal kind of look like? You know, when, what, and what is it going to take to keep people in play, I guess, is the best. That's a, that's a great question. I, I don't think there's an easy answer. I think, I think for starters, you know, the Big Ten is, is currently trying to renegotiate its, right. its thing, right? Now that it has USC and UCLA, uh, Fox will again – have the primary rights for the Big Ten. And I think a lot of the administrators in the Pac-12 landscape are waiting to see not how much money that that Big Ten deal is worth, but how many years. Um, Five years, seven years, right? The Big Ten has generally been pretty savvy with their TV stuff. They've gotten five-year deals. And then when the market becomes volatile, again, as it is now, you're in a position where you can renegotiate and you don't have much time left on your deal. So what does the Pac-12 deal look like? It's going to depend. I think some of it's going to depend on what this Fox Big Ten deal looks like in terms of years. And then once you have the years straightened out, 
then you can really start to, you can really kind of start to see it's coming into focus what the Pac-12 might look like. I mean, I think, I think everybody out here agrees that ESPN is going to have, if not the primary rights, a huge stake in what the Pac-12 does. Right. We don't think Fox is going to be a major player again for the Pac-12. And then what are the secondary rights look like? If ESPN is getting the primary Pac-12 stuff, is CBS going to make a play for it? Is NBC going to make a play for it? Is there going to be some streaming service? Is Apple TV going to get involved? We saw what Apple TV is doing, you know, with the occasional Major League Baseball game. Uh, Apple TV has the MLS contract exclusively streaming. I think that's a big deal. So the one thing I can tell you is that Klyovkov has been clear multiple times in the past that the primary rights for the Pac-12 are still going to be on real linear television, not streaming. So ESPN... And then we're going to see where things shake out, I think. Okay. Um, and I, I guess I, I have this thing of media literacy because I think a lot of times we look on the internet and we go, this person who got one thing right has been, has been great, or this person, I don't want to single anybody out. Sure. Or, this random blog has, has posted this or this. How do you block out the noise if you're a writer, fan? Like, what, like what's the best way to start blocking out noise and identifying, hey, maybe this thing that I'm reading probably isn't the best thing? I mean, just... I think especially over the last 10 to 14 days, we really need to reemphasize, don't just read the headline, click on the story and see if it has any substance to it. Um, No names. I don't want to call anybody out. I don't want to embarrass anybody. There were a couple of national reports about the PAC 12 or about the big 12 being in deep discussions with the PAC 12 adding teams. You clicked on those things and there wasn't much substance to it. Right. And guys kind of whiffed and kind of got that wrong. But because they were national writers, Joe Average fan kind of latched onto that and took it as gospel. Right. And I've been guilty of that too in the past, right? I've been doing this a long time. I cover, you know, a, a, a major college program now. I am also guilty of like looking at a headline and taking it. I think this whole thing so far, how, how things have looked, shaken out. I think we can all use sort of a recalibration. Just don't look at the headline. Let's click on it. Let's, let's try to find some substance. And yeah, you know, it's not easy right now. I understand that, especially from a fan perspective. People are very emotional. They're upset. They're nervous. They want answers. They want it now, 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 now. Right. And, you know, we're all just trying to, especially from a media standpoint, I mean, <clears throat> we're all just trying to do our jobs. We're trying to do our best. We're trying to do some reporting. We're trying to put something responsible out there. And again, just a kind of a reminder to just be responsible and do the right thing. And um, don't fall for every clickbait headline you see on the internet. I think that's important too. Yeah. No, I mean, like earlier, you mentioned that there was a high ranking Utah source that sent this, that sent um, that information to you um, earlier. And I think that's really important for a lot of fans to really think about is, you know, who's, why is this, why is this information out here? If someone's reporting it, why is why is it out there? Like, for example, the Big 12 stuff, not saying the Big 12 is trying to control the narrative or anything like that, but what incentive does a Pac-12 or ACC source or Big 10 or anyone have to say, oh, yeah, the Big 12 is in deep negotiations with the Pac-12? That you doesn't know, serve anyone. <laughs> no, and you have to remember that, uh, especially with something like realignment, uh, you know, coaches don't have all this information. Like, coaches are not being, you know, primed on these things that nobody cares what Kyle Whittingham has to say about 
about realignment. This is a presidential chancellor level decision. And yeah, the athletic director probably has a voice in the room. So um, look, I'm, I'm the local guy here. Uh, I've been here for a little while. I think, I think the fan base, you know, trusts me when I put something out there. Um, and yeah, I need to remember it, like be responsible, consider who I need to consider who my sources are. And I just need to be careful with who I'm listening to and, and what I'm doing and uh, you know, day by day here. And you know, just trying to, you know, I don't necessarily have to be first, but I do have to be correct. Being correct is paramount above everything else. Uh, I have two last questions for you. One, yeah, I, please. It almost broke my brain. Almost forgot it earlier. The whole UC Regents. In case you haven't um, been online, uh, the UC Regents has decided to quote unquote discuss UCLA's big move to the Big Ten. Uh, litigation has been a reason cited for that. Is there any insight you can give on that? What that means? What could come out of that? <laughs> Yeah, just I mean, just to clarify, you know, the UC Regents, you know, the University of California school system, uh, 20 some odd colleges connected in in the UC system, Uh, UCLA and Cal Berkeley are both within the UC Regents system. The UC Regents would like some answers as to how UCLA thinks they can do this and leave Cal behind, because obviously UCLA is going to be a big winner of this realignment cycle, while Cal increasingly looks like they're going to be a big loser of this, of this cycle. So, um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, we all saw this coming. I, I didn't think it would take this long for the UC regents to kind of come out publicly and, and start asking questions, but yeah, we're going to, look, there's going to be lawyers involved. It, It could get messy, but ultimately I don't think UCLA is, you know, announcing this two weeks ago or making these moves without some assurance from, their lawyers or their attorneys that yes we can fight this we're going to come out on top but it, it's it's going to be interesting and, and yes lawyers will be involved no doubt billable hours are all billable hours <laughs> i love it i love it um i guess the last question two-parter yes. when do you think we see anything official coming out and what do you think happens just not not just you can speculate as much as you want but what do you think happens <laughs> yeah i mean i think we're looking at uh uh, certainly not days, um, maybe not even, maybe not even months. I think we're looking at weeks until there is some level of clarity, whether that be, you know, the, uh, the TV valuation is in favor of the PAC 12 and, and they're going to stick together. Um, I think we're looking at weeks until there's some level of clarity. What happens? Great question. Uh, I don't want to cop out, but it, it, it's <laughs> really, nah, I mean, it's really, really hard to gauge like what we're looking at, my my instinct, just based off conversations and what's out there, I think the Pac-12 or the remaining Pac-12 schools will stick together. And I say that because Notre Dame to this point has given no indication that it's going to give up its independence. That's one. And two, if that's the case, then the Big Ten is still not going to want Oregon or Washington. And if the Big Ten doesn't want Oregon or Washington, what choice do those schools have then to try to make the Pac-12 work in the short term? And when I say short term, again, we're talking about two years, two and a half years until the next set of TV negotiations come up. So I think we're going to see the Pac. I think we're going to see the ten remaining Pac-12 teams try to stick together, and in turn try to poach maybe a couple of Mountain West schools to get back to twelve. Yeah, I think I think right now I think I think that's what we're looking at. That's fair. Um, it's interesting you bring up Notre Dame and just to call back to something you talked about earlier timing matters 
I think timing is a very, very big thing. Um, reminder to the fans that Notre Dame's TV deal wasn't up until 2025. So every right. time you hear about, oh, this con- this TV contract could be three, four, five years, see where that ends around the college football playoff. See where that ends around Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, those Everything isn't oh, – um, Oklahoma and Texas aren't – haven't announced they're not leaving yet for a reason. <laughs> like, right. And, and, let me just, and let me just add to that. I mean, people are screaming about how, like, how could Notre Dame leave all this TV money on the table, leave all the Big Ten money. Notre Dame has been leaving TV money on the table for decades. They make $10 decades. million dollars from the ACC network. Decades. <laughs> like, the Big Ten wanted Notre Dame starting in, like, 1990. Like, Notre Dame is not afraid to stay independent – they like their scheduling freedom. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Notre Dame stays independent. If I had to like guess right now, I would say Notre Dame is going to stay independent, but we'll see. I, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. Um, thank you so, so, so much for jumping on here. Uh, for the people listening, uh, where can they find you? <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, my Twitter handle at Joshua underscore Newman. Uh, links, analysis, everything on there. And uh, Salt Lake Tribune online at sltrib.com um thank you once again joshua if you are on twitter he has been one of my favorite people to follow through this entire thing um and you got again you gotta you gotta sift through the noise and josh has been a great voice to make sure that what i'm reading is is (sighs) accurate so thank you once again josh appreciate you cameron CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 